Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman joining me from Shanghai as usual. It's an Australian who is also not concerned about being liked one bit. Darren Burns, how are you? I'm great. Hey, Arun, how are you? Yeah. Um, I'm good. Yeah, thank you. A bit of controversy during the week again, a, a bit of a old stone unturned again with um, Michael Clark criticizing the Australian culture at the moment, saying that we're not going to win SHIT unless if you want to be liked and we need to get back to hard and fair cricket. They always say that. Um, Whatever that means. Fair, yeah. um, <laughs> and of course, after he made those comments, uh, his old friend Kadich, Simon Kadich and Gerard Waitley, the Australian broadcaster, jumped all over him like a rash. Um, so that's been going playing out in the media all week, a bit of back and forth. It's strange, isn't it? Because Simon Kadich had that very well publicized bust up with Michael Clark, where he went at his throat in the dressing room 2009 because someone didn't sing the team song or something. No, I, I, I think what happens is whoever is the owner, the custodian of the team song, they decide when the song will be sung. And I think Michael Clark wanted to jump in his Ferrari and go out for a, a sponsor's appointment. Um, and he kept saying, he kept saying to the guys, sing the song, come on, sing the song, sing the song. And Kadich said, calm down, mate, grabbed him by the, the, the shirt apparently. And, uh, since then he was dropped too from the team. And I think he was, he was averaging 50 plus as an opener. Um, and I think he probably never recovered from that. So obviously a lot of hard feeling there between those two. Well, particularly from Kadich's side, I think. Yeah. And, and Simon Kadich was kind of seen as the, the embodiment of, of Australian kind of manhood versus Michael Clark's metrosexual stylings. Yeah. But the interesting thing this week is that it's kind of they switched positions a little bit, um, which, which suggests to me that they just hate each other. It doesn't actually matter what the argument is. Um, Kadich was just going to go after Michael Clark one way or the other. I, I think what Michael Clark said was kind of misconstrued by, by Waitley and also by uh, Kadich. I think he, what he was just trying to say is, about being nice guys and, and worrying too much about being liked, you're not going to win cricket games. And I, I, I thought it was quite interesting. You know, when I was watching the T20 um, tries, well, the, the, the three-match series, there seemed to be a bit of awe from the Australian players around the Indian players, which I have never seen before. And I think it, it was almost like when they were talking and being interviewed, their body language was like they were kind of in awe of Rohit Sharma and Shikhar and Kohli. And I think we've never seen that kind of we've never seen that kind of awe before. So the roles have been really reversed, and I wonder if that will carry over into the Test series. Um, it was quite interesting. I don't think it will because I don't because I you know I think the if the players who don't buy into that. I mean, I did see that for sure, but it was some of the younger players. And in particular, I thought it was the batsmen um, and, you know, players who've been in the IPL yeah, and, yeah. you know, really look up to Kohli and Dawan and Sharma as these kind of run machines in T20 cricket. Right. But, you know, I don't see Mitchell Stark buying into that. I don't see Josh Hazelwood doing that kind of thing. And I don't see Pat Cummins either. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell Stark didn't play, only played the last of the T20 matches and he was absolutely in blistering form, right? Two people had to get injured for Mitchell Stark to make it into the Australian team. I just don't understand it. They're saying it's about man management, but look, the guy's going to run in and bowl four overs. He's going to bowl four overs. He's not like he's going to come in and have to bowl potentially in a test match 30, 40 overs in a test, right? He's going to come in and bowl four overs. If he can't stand up to four overs, 
uh, it's kind of a concern. He was um, he was instantly the best pace bowler on the field. I mean, he was better than Jasprit Bumrah, even who who bowled excellently. Well, if you think from an Indian batting point of view, you don't want to be facing Stark or Cummins, do you? In a T Twenty no. game, right? Um, I mean that that yeah, you don't want to face Stark in any form of cricket. I mean, it's pretty simple, <laughs> simple rule for batting, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good point you made. They they did seem a little bit annoyed. I noticed after the the match, they were really pally with the Indian Indian players. Um, which even for me, uh, as you know, as a, as an Indian uh, cricket fan, I, I I felt it was a little strange yeah. on the Australian side. Um, Simon Kadich actually made a, I thought a good point though. He said he said that Michael Clark was missing the point. He said actually, you know, what's happened here is we've cheated, and it's not about. He's, he agreed. It's not about. Um, uh, it's not about being liked, but it's just about proving that. Um, it's about winning back respect and trust from the public. Right. One of the things that struck me, I'm sure it struck you as well, in the T20 series, especially the final match, which was in Sydney, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, that, what was it, 70% of the crowd was Indian? I think 70%, more like 80 I think we did we did talk about this before the series, and I, I think there'll be a, a great show of support. You know, there's lots of Indian expats who have immigrated to Australia. There are students, there are tourists. Yep. coming out to support their team and it, it creates a great atmosphere but i think i said to you during the week on on i am you know when when australia got a wicket the whole crowd went silent <laughs> it was like being in india at an yeah. IPL match which it was amazing atmosphere it, it was it was a great atmosphere but it, but it was very strange i think you'd have to agree in, in an australian ground and I, I wonder and i put it to you how many do you think australian fans are staying away because of sandpaper gate well, I think also, I think the T20s were on terrestrial TV, but the earlier one-day series, as we know, was in a paywall, right? So I think that's probably the worst time to have it. So it, it might be that. There's a lot of cricket being played in summer, in summer at the moment. There's the Big Bash, which has been extended. It seems to go on forever now. I think it starts in December and goes on for like two or three months. Um, there's the India series, of course, the India one-day ODI series, the Sri Lanka tour, uh, there just seems to be endless cricket. Maybe people are a bit fatigued. I, I mean, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens, and we'll, we'll preview the test series properly a, a bit later on. But it will be interesting to see how the how the crowds come out for those matches. And it, and as as you mentioned, I think it will be really interesting to see how uh, Australia comport themselves during these matches. I think Faf Duplessis during this, the South African tour said, <laughs> you know, he he was very quick. I think to um, to say that you know Australia were being too nice and it was kind of weird and I think he was uh, he was using that sort of scientifically to score some points as well. Of course he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure Coley will will do that. Will, will go that far. He, he he tends not to play those kinds of mind games. Um, he 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 reserves those mind games I think for his own cricket board. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> or for Ravi Shastri. <laughs> <laughs> I think mind games are wasted on Ravi Shastri because the force. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk first, before we go any further on India-Australia, let's talk about the women's T20. Uh, when we last spoke, we were looking forward to the semifinals. I mean, actually, what we ended up with was three very one-sided matches and Australia cantering away with the trophy for, what is that, the fourth time they are World T20 champions in the women's format? Yeah, I was lucky enough to watch the game. 
Um, yeah, England England batted first and just never got going. I, I think they got up to about 105, but throughout the whole innings, they really struggled to get any kind of momentum. Um, and I thought the Australians were exceptional with the ball, um, particularly some of the younger players. Um, I, I thought they did really well. The, the two spinners, one leg spinner, one off spinner, Wareham and Ashley Gardner, I think, uh, they really strangled the middle order of the English and they could never get going. Um, despite a very poor performance in the field from Australia, I think they put down a bunch of catches. The wicket keeping was pretty poor, um, but but overall they just dominated. They just never really looked like they were going to lose the match, and England couldn't get you know couldn't get a trick. So um, yeah, well deserved to Australia. I think they looked like the form team throughout the tournament. Yeah, they were they were beaten by India, I think though, uh, in the round, but they looked pretty strong. Well, that that match they were beaten by India. That was one of the the Harman Preet you know, wonder knocks yeah. where she goes crazy. I think, I mean, my observation, I watched uh, both semifinals and I watched some of the final, um, is that the, the pitches really were not conducive to, um, I think, the kind of cricket we want to see in the T20 format. It was, it was quite slow and quite low. I thought Australia yeah. figured out the conditions really well, played, you know, played them perfectly. I actually thought England were excellent in the semi-final against India and figured out the conditions extremely well. I mean, India were, yeah. India were abysmal, actually. Um, West Indies also, I think, struggled uh, in their semi-final for the same reason. I just thought it was very hard for the batsmen to get going on these pitches. They couldn't really get forward. You saw that the batsmen who flourished um, basically just, just stayed back, um, did, yes. didn't... didn't didn't get onto the front foot, waited for the ball to come come to them because it, there was just no pace um, in the pitch. And there was there was um, when when they went for their shots on the front foot, they were unable to clear the fielders. Australia figured that out. They figured it out. Figured it out with their bowling as well. Uh, so well done to them. Of course, the whole tournament now has been overshadowed by the dramatic war of words um, that has erupted between. Um, Maitali Raj, and Ramesh Power, the Indian coach. Um, it's the kind of thing you'd expect from the Pakistani cricket team. Um, and in fact, it's the kind of thing you would expect from the Indian cricket team as well, the Indian men's cricket team in years gone by. You see it a little less these days because the Indian men's setup is a bit more professionally run. Mm. Uh, but it's not, it's not completely disappeared. I mean, we saw when Anil Kumble was jettisoned from the Indian setup. We saw... Um, mm a lot of back and forth, but this has been really unedifying. No one comes out of it with any credit. I don't yeah. think um, there's been numerous letters and emails that have all been leaked. Public Twitter battles. <laughs> Twitter battles. And Maithali Raj's manager has gone after the captain and the coach. I mean, the basics here, for anyone who isn't aware, Maithali Raj considered India's greatest ever female batsman. I mean, she is kind of a national legend. I suppose a little bit akin to Sachin Tendulkar in the men's game. Um, but she's getting on a bit. She's yeah. not the best fielder in the world. Uh, her batting has been a bit one-paced in recent times, um, although she did score two half-centuries in this tournament. Uh, she's been shuffled up and down the order uh, against her will, uh, and then eventually she was dropped for the semi-final after missing the game before with an injury. I think everyone was very surprised uh, because she was declared fit for the semi-final, but the captain, Harman Preet, who's a, who's a youngster, and the coach, Ramesh Pawar, who's a new coach for the Indian team, they both decided that uh, Maitri Raj should sit on the sidelines for this one. Um, mm. Of course, that went down really badly uh, with Raj, with her manager, with many fans. Yeah. There's always been murmurings of 
a clash between Harman Preet and Raj because they're mm. you know different generations. We've seen that happen a lot in Indian cricket, and now there's just this whole drama. Uh, Ramesh Pawar, as of today, I think his contract will not be extended. I mean, it's it's really, it's you know, I don't know who's right, who's wrong. It's it's really hard yeah. for anyone to say this is who we should back here. I mean, Vaithali yeah. Raj did um, threaten to quit the team, I think, uh, because she'd been pushed down the order. Ramesh Poa did actually, at, at that point, then put her back into the opening slot. So it's... I'm taking I mean, that it, ball and going home. Exactly. It's, it, it really reflects badly on everyone. You know, I wish, in a way, I kind of think, it's just not the kind of thing you'd see in Australian cricket, though, would you? It must be kind know. of bemusing for you. But for me, there's, there's sort of three things that I noticed out of the whole thing, uh, which I thought were very interesting. So it reminds me a little bit of Angela Matthews. <laughs> Is Mithili Raj the Angela Matthews of the Indian women's team where yeah. there seems to be a consensus from the captain and the coach that she's a bit, you know, old school. She doesn't score quickly enough. She plays for herself. Um, not the best fielder in the world. But I, I think the second thing is really the communication. Uh, apparently she didn't find out she was dropped until right before the match, which, you know, seems it's a respect issue, right? I mean, she's been playing for many years, you know, when you want to drop somebody and this happens a lot in the cricket, cricket world, it seems, you know, yeah. good communication is always key, right? Let, let them know in advance, by the way, um, you're not on the team, um, show some respect there. And I think the third thing I really thought of was that this really is great for women's cricket because I think in the past, women getting, women's cricket getting into the headlines is actually not an easy thing no matter what happened. I'm sure these things probably happened in the past, but there was no public interest in women's cricket. In the last year or two, we have seen an absolute tsunami or a torrent of interest in women's cricket, whether it's in Australia, India, England, around the world. It's fantastic. In the last World Cup in England, there was a sellout crowd. Um, it's great for the game. So, I mean, these things are not pleasant, but I think it does show that people are genuinely interested in the game, which, is, which I think is great. It's not just the, the men's dirty laundry we're interested in now. We're, uh, we're also interested in all the drama. We're interested in all laundry. Yeah, in all laundry, regardless of gender. Uh, we probably should stop with that analogy, because, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's... It, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the, the drama has kind of been delicious um, and it's played out over several days and because of the drip of emails and letters and right. social media, um, it's, I suppose it's, it's been fun. I wonder what's going to happen next because you kind of, you do question whether Harman Preet and Araj can coexist in the same setup. There's a new coach, you know, India is is looking for a new coach. I, I obviously, I, there's one contender I would put forward <laughs> for that role. I mean, it can only be, it's time there to unify. It's time to unify the two teams. It's time to unify. <laughs> I think, I mean, surely putting Sh- Ravi Shastri into this, into this environment. I mean, what could go wrong, really? It's, no, it's, I mean, it's, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing can go wrong at all. Nothing at all. Give Shastri both, I say. The thing is, we've seen this happen, this kind of dynamic play out. I remember... During Kapil Dev's last days, you know, this yeah. similar sort of thing. Even Tendulkar to an extent. Tendulkar, yeah. Um, you get to that point where, I don't want to say Maitri Raj is a burden on the team, but it's not the benefit she once was. But you just did. Yeah. <laughs> well, she isn't, though. I mean, I don't think she, I really don't think she is a burden on the team. I still think um, she has definitely something to offer the team. She's called two half centuries. Mm. They weren't the quickest, but 
she ha- there's a role she can definitely play. I think just, so. Just with her experience and so on. And it's just good management required. Yeah. I mean, some, some, having somebody who strikes at 105, 110 in the top six is not a bad thing. No, it's not. So you've got a, a few dashes around her. I, I think somebody who's more solid in the middle can, who can come in there in a hard situation is not a bad thing. Yeah, it's only a problem if there's too many players like her. Yeah, exactly. But it, if, if she's holding up one end, rotating the strike, and you've got the other batsmen going for their shots, I, I don't see what the issue is, really. Okay, so from that war of words, um, <laughs> we move over to the Australian, the continuing fallout from Sandpaper Gate. We've already talked about the, uh, the little tiff, I guess, between Michael Clark and Simon Kadic. Tim Payne has weighed in, has said um, Australia is not concerned about being liked one bit. Justin Langer, I thought, made some interesting comments this week where he said uh, reintegrating Warner and Smith uh, will be like bringing them into a dysfunctional family. (laughs) He's he's a real tripper, isn't he, Um, Justin Langer? (laughs) I think the way he he, he creates these words like, you know, or or little sayings like elite honesty and elite mateship and he kind of creates his his own like little... um, you know, his own little dictionary, his own little word base, which is quite fun. He's on another planet. Yeah, I think he is. But actually, I kind of like, like his style. Yeah, he's different, he's, isn't he? He's relentlessly upbeat as well, um, which I think plays quite well in this whole situation. Yeah, he's fun. And he, he always says something interesting. I, yeah, I, he's, he's winning me over, Justin Langer. I enjoy looking forward to whatever he's going to say. We, we maybe should... L- try and build a Justin Langer glossary. Um, he does have some interesting <laughs> terms that he comes out with, um, um, and it is quite refreshing, I must say. You know, I think Darren Lehman was very much full of platitudes when he spoke. He, he'd always say, you know, hit the ball hard, you know, go out there and do well. It was very sort of like uh, g- general, but I think he, he does have these kind of little sayings, and I think he thinks about the game quite a lot, and he obviously cares about it a lot too, and he's quite humble as well, which I think is nice. Yeah, I, t- I, I totally agree. I mean, whatever you say about the, the, the process that got him the job, and there, there are probably some questions about that, but yeah, Darren Lehman, you felt not really much coaching involved beyond like having a beer after the game and, and that kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. It's a bit harsh. Uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin Langer, though, you do actually feel really cares about stuff and is talking to players all the time and, 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 and you know, is, is really actively involved. Right. So we have a test series starting um, on the uh, on Thursday in Adelaide Oval. Big news from India's perspective: Prithvi Shaw, the new wonder kid of Indian batting, is going to miss the first test. Wonderkind. Yeah, rolled his ankle going for a meaningless catch in a meaningless warm-up match. This is why. <laughs> Ravi Shastri doesn't want to play warm-up matches. I'm just waiting for him to come out with his press conference on this. Um, and it's a really big blow for India. Prithvi Shaw looked in sparkling form in the warm-up game, probably batted the best. Yeah. I mean, Kohli also looked terrific. Uh, he, he looks built to play on these pitches. He's got a very good back foot game. He's very comfortable with the horizontal bat shot. Horizontal bats. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to miss the first test, probably the second test as well. India have problems with their openers already. KL Rahul is not really in touch. It means Murali Vijay is going to be drafted back into open. Um, mm. Big problem, and I actually think this hands the advantage back to Australia. Yeah, so I think on, on the whole practice match, previous, pre, 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 the sure thing, you know, I think 
people get injured at training every day, right? I mean, people get injured, you know, doing all kinds of exercises, whether in the gym. So I, I think we can't blame the practice match on somebody getting injured. Um, maybe we can blame poor technique. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. That's, uh, that's being harsh. No, I think he just rolled his ankle, his left ankle, which can happen to anybody, whether you're doing warm-ups, training in a game. It doesn't matter. You know, you can do that anytime. It's He rolled his left ankle over. Um, didn't look very good. He went straight down. I think it'll be a week or two and he'll probably be up and, up and about again. Um, that's just cricket, isn't it? Um, but I think it does open the door for Australia a little bit. And I think with KL Rahul opening the batting um, with Murli Vijay, they probably fancy that um, bowling against that versus Privdi Shaw. But it is a real pity for the first test in Adelaide that we don't get to see him. But I think he'll be back for the second test, I'd imagine. I'm not sure. I, I, my guess is he'll be back for Melbourne. I don't know if he'll make it for Perth. Shall we talk about the Australian team first? We can, yeah. Why not? Because, you know, I had a look at the squad today. Uh, actually, I was a little surprised in that. I thought there'd be more players I didn't know of. Um, and actually, there's, yeah. only, there's only really a couple um, that I'm less familiar with. Marcus Harris, who I think, has been drafted in. He's an opening batsman. Yeah. The rest of the team is is pretty much as you'd expect. The other guy I didn't know of is Chris Tremaine, who's a who's a bowler as well. Um, otherwise, does the team pretty much pick itself in terms of the other eleven? I think it does. So, so I think um, you know Chris Tremaine, Peter Siddle, and potentially Travis Head will sit on the bench. Um, so I think I my feeling is that Aaron Finch will open with Marcus Harris. Marcus Harris has been drafted in after being one of the leading run scorers in the last two years in Sheffield Shield. Um, they've obviously left out Matt Renshaw. He seems to be thrown on the wood heap at the moment. Um, but Marcus Harris is, is in hot form. There seems to be this weird thing now where they pick the team based on whoever's in form in the Sheffield Shield, which is not really a stick and pick. Um, but let's see how he goes. He's, he's scored a ton of runs. He's quite aggressive, left-hand opening batsman. So it could be some fireworks at the top with Aaron Finch and Marcus Harris if they get going. Um, then I think we'll have Usman Khawaja, who is now the premier Australian batsman at number three. Um, and I think we'll have Sean Marsh uh, in the top four, Mitchell Marsh. And I actually think Peter Hanscom will be chosen over Travis Head. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Peter Hanscom can't score runs in international cricket. Um, when he made his debut a couple of seasons ago, he was playing the best South African bowling lineup ever. Uh, and made a hundred and a few fifties, so he can bat well. He's 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 played with his technique quite a bit, and then I think obviously you have to have uh, the captain uh, batting at seven, which is Tim Payne. Then of course the bowlers pick themselves, um, and they've all looked they've all looked pretty good. So Josh Hazelwood, um, Nathan Lyon, of course, Mitchell Stark, and of course Pat Cummins. So it, that looks like the team they'll pick. I think the only controversy might be around Peter Hanscom and Travis Head. Um, I just think Travis Head hasn't done enough. Uh, he's had a lot of opportunities, but I prefer to see Peter Hanscom, the right-hander there in the middle order somewhere. Yeah, that looks like a pretty solid lineup. I think the bowlers are key. You know, if, if, if that, that's yeah. still a, a pretty fearsome bowling attack in home conditions. Australia is the hardest place to tour. Um, if you look at the stats, bowlers have the biggest differentials in Australia. So... Um, overseas bowlers, that is. So, you know, no matter how good you bowl at home, um, that differential is biggest in Australia. So you bowl much worse in Australia if you're an overseas bowler. Yeah. 
So there's that to contend with. And then, of course, you look at the batting averages of some of these Indian players in Australia are not amazing either. On the flip side of that, if we talk about the Australian team again, I mean, I think we have a very, if we're very honest, a very feeble top six. Um, we have people who are not, none of them have cemented their place except perhaps Kawaja. Um, they're not averaging a truckload of runs. I mean, Sean Marsh is very much a form player. Um, you know, if he's in form, he's great. If not, he'll be hor- horrendous. Um, so there's a lot of question marks about that Australian top six. But again, again, the bowling attack probably in Australia is the best bowling attack in the world in these conditions. But um, yeah, I'd agree. it's about the batting, I think. I'd agree. I mean, it's up there with the best bowling attacks in the world, I think, right now. So let's have a look at the Indian squad then. Um, so obviously the, the, the fact that Prithvi Shaw is injured means that um, we're going to see Rahul and Vijay open. Um, number three, number four, number five, I think are all pretty much settled. Pujara, Kohli, and Ajinkya Rahane. Um, the number six spot is a little bit up in the air. So it looks like it's either going to be Rohit Sharma or Hanuma Vihari. Vihari, of course, played the last test in England, scored a very good half century, batted well uh, in the warm-up game, looked good. But I suspect they're going to go with Rohit Sharma because, um, you know, this is an Indian team that can, that can never run out of opportunities for Rohit Sharma in test cricket. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't matter what he's done in the past, you've got to give him one more chance. I'm, not, you know, I'm never convinced by Rohit Sharma in test cricket. I don't mm. think anyone is, especially overseas. But if he's going to do well, it will be on these surfaces because he's, a, he's probably the, the, one of the best back foot players in the Indian team. Yeah, not just back foot. I think he plays the horizontal bat shots quite well. Exactly, he does. Um, so he pulls and hooks quite well. Whether that will be enough to get him runs in this match when he's never really scored runs in, a, in, in test cricket away from home, we shall see. Um, but my guess is they will pick him at number six. Uh, number seven um, is going to be Rish, Rishabh Pant. Uh, he's actually, I think, got a crucial role to play. Um, they need runs, India, from their lower middle order. We saw that in England, we saw in South Africa. Uh, they don't always get good contributions from their lower order. Uh, Rishabh Pant's batting has been really hit and miss. Um, you know, he, does, he doesn't have many shots, uh, but they are very big shots. So, yeah. <laughs> so he does tend to favor the slog over cow corner. Um, yeah. So that would be interesting. And then the bowling attack is, is kind of up in the air. I mean, um, I think that the thinking is Adelaide, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you, you will definitely play a spinner. You could play two spinners, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. See, I, I, I think they might, you know, they might do something funky here, and they might bat Pan at six, um, Ashwin at seven, and bring in Kordip Yadav. Now, I think most Australian players do not want to face Kuldeep Yadav oh, they in, a really test, don't. in a test match. You see, did you see in the T20s, Kuldeep Yadav bowled 72 deliveries and gave away four boundaries? Four boundaries in a T20 In a T20, in a T20, in a T20 series. Tournament. Unbelievable. And so I think then you have, you know, of course, Ishant. Of course, you have oh, Jasper, Jasper Bumrah and, and Shami. Uh, well, Shami or Kumar. I mean, that's the other thing. I think... Mm. So they have to make a decision on the paces. So they're, they're going to play three pace bowlers, right? I think we know for sure that's going to happen. I think, and I actually think you're right. If they're going to play two spinners, they may push Pant up to six. Um, my guess is they will be a bit more conservative and go with Ashwin at eight or seven. I mean, depending on on um, 
wear pant bats. And then the three pace bowlers. And then it's probably going to be Bumrah, Ishant. And I would probably say Bhuvneshwar Kumar ahead of Muhammad Shami, but... I think, I think if they were playing a day-night game in Adelaide, they would definitely go for Kumar. Yeah. When the ball's going to see him and swing around at night. It's a real pity they're not playing under lights, actually. I think it's one of the most exciting test matches on the calendar yeah. in the world at the moment, the sort of Adelaide, Adelaide day-night game. Just because the conditions change so much every day, um, it makes for compelling viewing. So, you know, you're right. They might go conservative and pick, you know, Ashwin at eight in the three fast bowlers. Maybe they go with that in Adelaide and see how it does. And if, the, if Ashwin doesn't bowl well, they might think rethink about it. Um, but it remains to be seen whether Ashwin can adapt. Um, I know they were saying to him this week he should bowl like, you know, Nathan Lyon, but that's ridiculous. Obviously, Nathan Lyon is quite, quite sprite, you know, short, and Ashwin is a very tall bowler. But the way he bowls is going to be crucial. And, and you know that, of course, Lyon would belt, get belted around in, in the subcontinent when he used to throw the ball up and use, use flight. Now he bowls the ball into the wicket and does much better in the subcontinent. So let's see what if Ravi Ashman puts a bit more overspin or tries to be a bit different in how he bowls. Yeah, I think um, Ashwin's average in Australia is, is atrocious. Um, and in fact, he got dropped after his last tour there. I think he's a much better bowler now. I hope we see the Ashwin that bowled in the first test against England. Um, yes, he was impressive. Was, I think in Ed- Edgebaston. He really looked like he'd figured out how to bowl overseas. Then he got injured, and I just don't think he ever really reached that level again in the England series. I think if he's fully fit, he should be okay. He actually bowled all right in this tour match, this warm-up match, but really the Indian bowlers have <laughs> didn't, didn't bowl well at all. I mean, they looked very average. Cricket Australia, 11, which is full of a lot of players who haven't played a lot of first-class cricket. Um, apart from some Darcy. haven't played any, by the way. Yeah, some haven't <laughs> played any. They still managed to run up 544 against India's first-choice test bowling attack. Yeah, which is um, a concern. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it is a concern. I think um, Umesh Yadav has pretty much bowled himself out of contention. Mohamed Shami was actually the pick of the Indian pace bowlers, so maybe he will get the nod ahead of um, Bhuvneshwar Kumar. I mean, Shami is a wicket-taker, so that he has that going for him. I think, I think Shami's a good bowler. I, th- I think he'll do well in Australia. But his, his average is awful as well in Australia. You know, it, oh, he's learned, right? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, you know, he's, he's developed himself as a bowler. The other, other guy we didn't talk about is um, Jadeja, of course. And, and there is a school of thought to say that if they think the ball might turn a bit in Adelaide, he might get the nod ahead of um, Ravi Ashwin, you know, being the left-arm spinner. Yep. Uh, Australia having a lot of left-arm batsmen. So let's see. Jasper Brummer is the key for India. He's been their best pace bowler in all conditions. Um, yeah. across the year. He's adapted to every he's surface. He's a really smart bowler. I mean, he's just come on yeah, so is. well. He bowled 1.1 overs <laughs> in the, uh, of the 150 overs that India bowled in the warm-up game. Jasper Bumrah only bowled one of them, uh, and he took one wicket for one run. No, for zero runs. Yeah, and then, then they took he him off. off. So <laughs> that bodes well, uh, unless perhaps, I hope he's not injured. And the Indian batting looked reasonably solid, I must say. So yeah, nothing to worry about there in that, in that game, I don't think, too much. Time for some predictions, I feel. It Darren. is. So I, I see Ricky Ponting has predicted Australia winning 2-1. Ian Chappell has predicted Australia might win. Um, it's, it's a tough one. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be whoever bats better. I think both bowling lineups should be okay. Um, you know, it could even be 2-2. So. There might be 
there might be a draw in there somewhere. So I don't know. I think it's India might do it 2-1. I'm always, a, as you know, a huge fan of Ian Chappell. I think he talks a lot of sense. And I actually agreed with his column where he said, uh, on paper, India are better. They have better players. But it does seem like something is missing. We've seen that in England. We've seen it in South Africa. Um, that, that they have not acclimatized quickly enough. They've made some poor selection decisions in many of those yeah. test matches, really, some real head scratches. And they've got to get the selection right immediately, I think, in this tour. I actually think they have a bit more margin for error uh, in this series because, like, as you pointed out, I think the Australian batting is, um, is untested in, in some respects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with 2-2, actually, because I don't... Yeah think there'll be a draw i mean there has been a lot of rain around um mm. but if we assume there'll be a result in in all of these matches because the bowling attacks on both sides i think are eminently capable of taking 20 wickets in each match so i'm going to go with 2-2 i think there's been a lot of kind of low scoring games in first class cricket this season in australia as well so you know unless we get a draw somewhere which i'm not sure where that's coming from it's possible yeah you know i think india just might sneak it so let's see i mean i hope it's a uh, great series um hopefully it's hardly hard hard fought and close um so it's very exciting yeah i i just want to see some some good performances from both teams it would be nice to see some australian batsmen step up um and and you know make make a claim for for like for a long-term presence in the team and i think that's what will happen i I think on either side of course everyone's talking about kawaja and Kohli, but my feeling is somebody will step up and do well on either side and which makes for a great series, right? Who do you, if, if, if you had to pick a player from the Australian team that you think is, is maybe poised to make that leap, I mean, who would you say? Marcus Harris, maybe? It's, it's possible. But, uh, but, you know, I would say Peter Hanscom's a bit of a dark horse. Um, he's been betting okay. Um, and what about on the Indian side? Well, the, the weird thing well, is... Pri- the Prithvi Shaw is out. So. The, yeah, so the player I would pick, I'm not even sure he's going to play. I actually really like the look of Hanuma Vihari. Um, he was picked in controversial circumstances, probably shouldn't have been picked because um, he, he overtook Karan Naya. I really like the way he goes about his business. He's, um, he doesn't seem phased. He scored runs in pretty much all environments for India now. doesn't have the best technique, but he's one of those players that I think overcomes those flaws in his technique through his attitude. Yeah. Um, but I'm not convinced he's, he's going to get a run out until Rohit Sharma inevitably fails. <laughs> yeah, I think if the Australian bowlers bowl halfway well and if he bats, I mean, they'll really test out that technique of his. They will, absolutely. But, you know, he comes in at number six. Uh, the kookaburra will be a bit soft. Um, maybe if he has enough time before the second new ball. I don't know. I, I, I like the look of him. I like his, his attitude. Um, you like the idea of him, <laughs> <laughs> I think. We should probably move on to uh, Pakistan, New Zealand. And uh, Darren, do you remember my prediction? I should have made a bet. You really did call it very well. You said, like clockwork, Pakistan will win this next test easily. Uh, and they did. And Yasir Shah, I must admit, I, I watched Yasir Shah, and he, he was really back to his best. He was really ripping the leg spinners in. I think in the... It almost looked when he was playing against Australia, he was sort of putting the ball there a bit, but he was really getting his flight, his guile, his, he was really ripping that leg spinner out of his hand. So he, he bowled it phenomenally well. Probably, yeah. I mean, he really, like you said, he was giving the ball a rip. Leg spin bowling is hard work, man. Your whole body 
it, it takes a toll. I think we always think spin bowling is easier than pace bowling, but um, to give the ball that kind of a, a, a tweak um, takes some doing. And to be accurate too, as a leg spinner, is very, very challenging, right? And, and he was, it was a dream match for him. Um, but let's not forget the batting too. I mean, I thought the Pakistanis really ground down the, the New Zealand attack and they, you know, they, they scored 418 for five, declared off 160-odd overs. And I think Harris Sahel uh, and Babar Azam were, were, were phenomenal. I mean, I think Harris Sahel scored 147 off you know, just 421 balls, which is just a real marathon, and really ground them down um, into the dust. And I think the, the Kiwis were a bit sort of exhausted by the time they had to bat twice, and they ended up losing by an innings, basically. So they, they are playing another... How many more tests in that series? One more test. Last one. In Abu Dhabi. One more test, yeah. So that's going to be interesting because one thing we know is that we can't, um, we can't predict anything about Pakistan's performance. That's true. However, having said all that, I do think they probably have enough now to win the third test, um, which is, as you'd expect, Pakistan should be beating New Zealand in Abu Dhabi. So are you saying they're going to do it? I am, yeah. I'm, 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 okay. I'm actually going to say that Pakistan are going to win um, this test match against New Zealand. But, but, but not as confident as you were last week, that's for sure. No, so, no, definitely so listeners, not. I wouldn't go out and make a bet <laughs> on this prediction. Listeners and players, for that matter. <laughs> and, and officials. And officials. <laughs> um, finally. Finally. Uh, we should probably mention that England whitewashed Sri Lanka. England's first whitewash in a test of three sorry in a series of three tests or more overseas since 1963 when they beat New Zealand 3-0 it's incredibly rare for this to happen uh England played we talked about this last time England played really vibrant cricket uh the third test your friend your favorite Adil Rashid bowled Superbly, I have to confess, he bowled really well in this. It was a dream match for him. Oh well, you see. I think he even said it's never come out better. He's done, yeah, but he's done whatever he's been asked to do, and he's been giving very few overs by Joe Root. And whenever he bowls, he's taken a wicket or looked there or thereabouts. And I think when you have a kind of a left arm spinner, an off spinner, a leg spinner, it's a great combination of players to use. And if they're bowling quite well, I think it makes sense. You're right. I mean, he has he has kind of been asked. I mean, he has kind of done whatever he's been asked to do. There was a Test match in England. Where he was literally asked to do nothing, he didn't bowl, he didn't bat, <laughs> and he, did and he didn't well. field. <laughs> so, and he handled himself with great aplomb. He did. He handled it really well. Um, no, he he bowled really well in this final test. Uh, there was a fantastic run out by Jack Leach. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, it was direct hit. It's brilliant. Uh, you know, England had some some good contributions again from uh, Johnny Besto. Uh, who I thought got a little bit carried away with everything. He did get carried yeah. away. Didn't he? <laughs> like, who had written Johnny Besto off? Had anybody written him off? Like he'd written himself off maybe. It was just like, it was very funny. Well, this is modern cricket for you, I feel. But there was, I think there was one or two articles which pointed out, quite gently I felt, that Johnny Besto's average and form had really dipped since the early part of the summer. Now, he wasn't dropped on that basis. He was dropped because he was injured. Um, obviously, he'd lost the gloves, and there had been reports of how unhappy he was at losing the gloves, first to Joss Butler and then to um, Jack Folks, Ben Folks, sorry. Ben Folks. Yeah. Um, 
and all of this seemed to combine to create this this narrative I think in Johnny Burstow's head that the whole world was against him and his celebration after the century you know it's like he he I don't know he's, he's, he'd come through immense hardship yeah. and everyone had written him off <laughs> they said they said I couldn't do it and I did kind of thing um I wonder if he reads all his press. I mean, one of the things I found disturbing when I was reading one of these recent books um, about the whole Schmozzle and Newlands was that Steve Smith apparently reads every single article about himself or about what's going on, which which I don't think can be necessarily a good thing. No, but you hear it a lot about about sports stars, sports you know, professional sportsmen and women. Um, even though you would think it's not a good idea to read any of this stuff. They, they all read a lot of it. They consume a lot of it. They, they're all on social media a lot. And so they see it. Um, and I think it does, it does affect them more than it should. I mean, Johnny Vesto, just, yeah, it was just, I think even Ben Stokes was a little bit bemused out there um, by the kind of... It reminded me of um, when, when David Warner scored 100 in grade cricket, he did a big leap up in the air and carried on too. <laughs> it's like... They said I couldn't do it, man, and I did it, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and then, and then Besto came out after the match and said, I still want the gloves. Obviously, he, he was feeling himself. He thought this is the time to stake his claim. Um, they should not give him the gloves, I don't think. Um, you know, Ben Folks again, had another brilliant match. And he's a very good-looking man, Ben Folks. Well, there's that as well. But what we, before that, what, what do we say about Keaton Jennings, the spider? Short leg. Yeah, well, he took some great catches. He, a world record, I think. World record. Was there eight dismissals, something like that, in the match? Um, he, I, I feel a bit bad for him because, as you know very well, Darren, um, short leg is, is a position that every cricket player tries to get out of as soon as they've got a few matches under their belt. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I, I was knocked out when I was playing under-12s when I was fielding at short leg? Uh, I fell at short leg without a helmet, which was probably not a very good idea. And I got scone on the back of the, back of the head and passed out, and I woke up off the side, on the side of the field. He's... Um, He's kind of creating a name for himself as a specialist short leg fielder. I would advise him to drop a few um, in his next few matches because I don't think anyone wants to field at short leg long term, really. I mean, it's, ho- it's, it's horrific fielding there. It's okay. Says the guy who was concussed. <laughs> it's... But it gives him a chance to be in the game. Well, I suppose, given that he's not scoring many runs and he doesn't bowl, this gives him a chance to, to stay in the team. Good point. That's right, the specialist short leg. All right. So that's a lot. We've got through a lot today, a lot of drama, a lot of cricket coming up. Um, we'll be back, I guess, uh, probably after, well, after the first test for sure. Yeah. And to also uh, discuss the conclusion of the Pakistan-New Zealand series. Um, so thank you all for listening, and thank you very much, Darren.